The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Joey Volpe at Fantasy.FootballAnalyst. What's going uh, on, brother? Feels like deja vu. I don't know why. Yeah, no, we were having technical difficulties. I think we're good. I think we're good. Um, but yeah, man, I was glad to be back. Uh, thank you for holding it down last week. We're basically going through all of the divisions uh, in the NFL. We're going through all the fantasy relevant players over the past five weeks. This is our sixth week uh, doing yeah, well. divisions. We have a couple of weeks left. Uh, it seems a little bit timely that we're doing the NFC West this week, given the unfortunate news of Cam Akers, Achilles, Season-ending Achilles injury before the season even starts, which absolutely sucks. Um, but uh, and we'll, we'll definitely get to that. Uh, but, you know, that was yesterday. And, and I guess, you know, moving on, this is a good time overall for football fans because training camp has begun for two teams, for the Cowboys and for the Steelers. The Bucks start on Saturday um, and then the rest of the NFL starts next Tuesday of, of, of next week. So, um it's a good time right now. You know, uh, hard knocks is around the corner. When hard knocks is on TV, the preseason is coming on TV. We are, you know, that's when, you know, our, our, our juices start flowing, especially when it comes to fantasy, the drafts start happening. And um, I'm just excited, man. Yeah. And we got the fantasy expo coming up too, which if a lot of people aren't aware of, it's, this is the first year. Is this the first year they're doing it? Or maybe they did it a while ago and because of COVID last year. I don't I think, know. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is not the first time they're doing it. Um, just there was a different I, one that was in like Texas. Yeah, but... I've been to that one. That was a different yeah. one. Uh, but yeah. I think there was one in Canton, Ohio, before. Um, before this one, uh, it might not have been last year, obviously because of COVID. But before that, I think there was something going on because I did see some guys on Twitter talk about it, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you guys are in the, happen to be in the Canton area, um, the weekend of what is it? The August 13th. That, I think yes. that's the weekend that we're going to be in, in, in Ohio, uh, in Canton, you know, near the hall of fame um, for the fantasy football conference. I think the conference is only like 10 bucks to, to, to join um, as just like, if you want to just come through and like hang out with all the fantasy football analysts and all that kind of stuff. And, to have some events and you know it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun um so we're definitely excited about that me and joey are gonna be there um for sure um but yeah so so just getting into like training camp since training camp has begun um a couple of players have been put on the uh pop list to start training camp that's amari cooper saquon barkley another one um you know these are 
this happens, you know, every year where players are put on the pup in the beginning of training camp. Uh, usually, you know, nothing to worry about. Um, this is just about like limiting their reps to start camp. Amari Cooper, you know, Mike McCarthy said that he doesn't have any concerns there. And, and with Saquon, this was somewhat expected with him coming off the ACL. They just want to kind of limit his reps in the beginning of camp. And, you know, I, I, I would only like start to worry a little bit if this is like mid-August, like past the second preseason game, and we're still looking at these guys on the pup um, physically unable to perform, which means that they're not doing anything in camp. So um, you just want to keep an eye out. But for the most part, I'm still drafting these two as if they were completely healthy, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, so, so we're going into, you know, the NFC West this week. Uh, Joey uh, and Alex from Fresh, Fresh Fantasy Podcast, they held it down last week uh, while I was off in Madrid with my wife. Um, so I appreciate that, Joey. It was a fire episode. We got some good feedback from it. So make sure you check that out. And if you have any uh, interest in all the other divisions that we did, mostly we did. So last week, you guys covered the NFC East, right? And the week be- and the weeks before, the four weeks before that was all uh, the AFC divisions. Um, and this week, we're going to hit the NFC West, hit the Cardinals. We're going to hit the Rams, obviously, uh, the 49ers and the Seahawks. Um, but yeah, man, let, let's, let's get into this, um, this Cam Akers news, you know, Daryl Henderson, obviously the next man up, um, really not much behind him, you know, and, and like, you know, and I've been saying this, this week that, you know, we could be truthers all we want of just like these, these undrafted guys and these really late round running backs, but it usually doesn't happen for these type of guys, right? Um, you know, Xavier Jones, uh, he's a red shirt. He was a red shirt undrafted rookie last year. He, he actually made the team, which was really impressive, you know, for, uh, for an undrafted rookie running back to make the 53 man roster in, in, a, in a year that, you know, obviously had a bunch of COVID protocols. Jake Funk, seventh round pick, uh, amazing name, by the way. Uh, Raymond Calais, another small back. Um, but, you know, we talked about this throughout the week that there are some uh, veterans out there, right? Um, you know, you have Le'Veon Bell, you have Duke Johnson, you have Adrian Peterson, uh, you have Todd Gurley. <laughs> I don't think that reunion is going to happen. Um, you have Frank Gore. Uh, I'm missing one. I'm missing a main one, aren't I? Le'Veon Bell? Did you say that? I, Adrian I Peterson? Bell. Adrian Peterson. I mentioned him. I mentioned... Uh, Duke Johnson. Yeah, that's uh, all. I think that, that's about AP, it, right? Bell, Gore, uh, Duke Johnson. Yeah, that's Todd about Gurley. it. Um, yeah. yeah, so like, I I don't think this is going to be a situation. Like the Rams, Adam Schefter reported yesterday that, you know, the Rams are staying put as of right now. But at the same time, like, I, I also doubt that there's going to be a, you know, they're going to sign one of these guys, I feel like. Yeah. Or they're going to make a move. Uh, you know, somewhat cheap move for running back because usually you don't have to spend that much to, to acquire a running back. And if there are some teams that, you know, have a running back or two expendable, they might end up making a move there. So, so I think they're going to do their due diligence with these guys and not, not panic and sign someone right away. But yeah. it's very possible that somebody gets signed uh, to, 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 you know, share the load with Dal Henderson. Exactly. And I, I don't expect, I mean, the Rams right now with Matt Stafford, and that defense last year, they're in a position to make a Super Bowl run, right? So considering this team had the seventh most, most rushes per game, 
I don't think they're going to feel comfortable going into the year with just Daryl Henderson, a whole bunch of scrubs behind him. So, uh, and the good thing with veterans is you don't need to sign a veteran. Now you can sign a veteran week before the year starts and guess what? Sign AP, throw him in the lineup and he'll be fine. You know what I mean? So you, you don't need to sign a veteran now, which is the good part. Um, Hendy himself, Henderson, he was not top 20 in any category when it came to, you know, yards after contact yards per touch, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. Any efficiency stat, he was not top 20 on a per touch basis. He didn't stand out last year. He, the only time he did stand out was when he got a ton of carries or touches or whatever it might be, um, which right now looks like it might be the case. But like we said, I, I think AP, Bell, Gore, or whoever is going to find themselves in this backfield. If it's someone like Bell, if it's someone like AP, I could see them sharing most of that load. Uh, they could always trade for a running back as well. So Right now, Daryl Henderson is my running back 24. He's right in the middle. I think that fifth, sixth round is a good time to take a shot on him, but I'm not going to overvalue him. And at the same time, I don't want to undervalue him. So I think that's a perfect like little sweet spot for him. Um, also, just noting here, the Rams were tied for the lowest target share to running backs last year with the Titans. So when it came to sharing targets with running backs, they were at the bottom, which is literally what I just said. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, like, like, that listen, was my man, detailed version of exactly sometimes, what I just said. Sometimes you got to explain the same thing the same way. There you way. go. So sometimes, people get it. You know, exactly. I mean, Derrick Henry, the team with Derrick Henry, they didn't throw to running backs at all, tied with them for target share. So it's not the same amount of targets per se. It's, you know, comparison to the amount of targets that are going to the running backs or tight ends, the lowest in the league next to the Titans. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. You know, and Daryl Henderson isn't really known as a pass catcher. Um, you know, he can catch. I mean, he did his fair share. You know, he got his fair share of targets when he was when he got his opportunity on the field last year. Um, and, and I think he was fine, you know. I, and, and to be honest with you, like when I watch Daryl Henderson, um, I think when he has the ball in his hands, um, he's pretty explosive. He's like um, a bowling ball. Well, he's like a I'll, short. I mean, he's not big, but he's like short. He's five foot eight. And he's over 200. So he's right. short in like. Oh, I see what you're thick. saying. He's yeah, thick. Yeah, yeah. You know, he'll bounce off people. He's not like a huge tank, but, he'll, right. you know, he'll get some bounces in there. Yeah. And I, and I thought he was relatively uh, elusive when he, you know, that for those first like five or six games before Cam Akers came back and started taking some work away and Malcolm Brown started taking some, taking some work away. Um, and I thought he was relatively productive. And I think with opportunity, he could do pretty well because I think he has a little bit of explosiveness to his game. Um, so, uh, just keep in mind that like, you know, he has some sort of weird injury designation on him right now. Um, I'm not really sure like what the issue is. Uh, he had an undisclosed injury, like when minicamp started. So just kind of keep an eye out for that. Obviously camp is starting, uh, on Tuesday for the Rams. Uh, so we'll obviously get an idea of whether he's participating or not. I'm calling um, it a 0% chance they go into the season without signing someone at that point, because if he has any sort of injury right now, and if they think it might have any risk during the season, they are not starting week one with Xavier Jones, <laughs> Raymond Calais, no. and any of these guys. So they, yeah. I'll call it now. There's a 0% chance they add no one to this backfield. And I'd also say there's about a 2% chance that guy's Todd Gurley because that did not end well between the Rams and Gurley. And at this point, they're not going to give him any more money because they made that mistake last time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like 
you know, with Daryl Henderson, you know, I think you mentioned a potential fifth round pick there. I'm fine with that. Like, I think the upside is worth uh, chasing in the fifth round. I think the wide receivers around that spot are, are intriguing for sure. So oh, yeah. like, I'm still looking at wide receiver in the fifth round and I'm still considering those guys, some of those guys over Dal Henderson. Uh, but if I needed RB two, right. And I just went crazy and didn't draft an RB two until the, until round five, he's definitely somebody I'll be looking at um, because I'm, I, when I, when I want to get an RB two that late, I'm, I need to find somebody who has potential RB one upset. And I do think that Dal Henderson with opportunity does have RB one upside, obviously depending on who they sign. Um, I personally think that the best compliment to Dal Henderson out there is, is, uh, Duke Johnson. I think Duke Johnson with his pass catching ability and his super underrated ability, uh, underrated ability in the run game. I think their styles complement each other. And I think that, um, they bring in somebody who compliments Dal Henderson in the pass game. Um, maybe Dal Henderson taking the majority of work on early downs with Duke Johnson filling in a little bit on early downs, uh, and taking the majority of passing situations. And, you know, that's where Cam Akers was the man, because I think that he was going to be the main guy in both of those situations. Uh, so it really is really, really unfortunate with, for Cam Akers because he was on the verge uh, of getting amazing opportunity and having a really, you know, having a breakout season yeah. um, on a really good team with Matthew Stafford and, uh, and an upgrade, you know, for that entire team and potentially making it in the playoffs. And like you said, you know, potential Super Bowl run. Right. So uh, it, it does, it's, it's, it does suck. Now, as we get closer to the season, Daryl Henderson's price is going to be more and more and more expensive, um, mm-hmm. especially if they don't sign somebody. Right. But like, like you said, uh, Joey, like, they can easily sign somebody right before the season starts, right? We saw it with Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year. We we were yep. obviously weren't expecting that to happen, you know, like you know, week six, right? Um and with then we Ronald saw Jones, the, Leonard Fournette. We saw it the year before, uh, even I think it was uh was it Damian Williams, right? Like they even they they pulled a similar move um back then also. So like you know, it, it, Leonard Fournette with Ronald Jones, right? These type of things happen. Um, and we have to kind of be aware that they can. So, like, I what I would do is if you're targeting Dal Henderson in your draft, I would say, like, okay, what's the most I'm willing to spend on Dal Henderson knowing that one of these free agents are going to land there? That's yep. kind of what I would do. Um, and, and listen, like, it, upside can pay off. It's possible that they sign – somebody just to kind of spell him and he still gets like 65% of snaps, which in this offense is, would be amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah, I do, I do want to add though, I, I don't necessarily think Duke Johnson would be the best compliment here because I don't think this is the team that needs a designated third down guy. I, I mentioned before they had the lowest target share to running backs right next to the Titans. And I think, like you said before, Dara Henderson is capable so I think they could just kind of pair him next to maybe like an Adrian Peterson, someone, a veteran who wants to be in a Super Bowl winning squad, who is also capable as a pass catcher. Just have the, both these guys throughout there. Whoever happens to be the pass catcher is the pass catcher. You know, they have Robert Woods, they have Cooper Cup, they have all of these other guys. So that's that's just my thoughts on that. Just one of yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it has to, I mean, like those kind of stats for me, like has a lot to do with personnel too. True. Right, like uh, they didn't really have anybody last year who was like an amazing pass catcher, and they had three guys, you know, who were rotating in. Like their main long down and distance guy last year was Malcolm Brown. Like, are they really going to design plays around Malcolm Brown? Like Todd Gurley a couple of years ago, you know, he had he had uh, 
87 targets, 81 targets, right? Like those type of seasons. So like, and that's with Sean McVay. So if they have a guy, listen, Sean McVay is one of the best, best guys who designs these screens and, and these type of plays, like, uh, you know, in space, like he's that guy you want, you know? So, you know, if they're willing to get Daryl Henderson in space, uh, if if they want somebody who, you know, if they have plans for somebody who, you know, uh, needs to be involved in the passing game, listen, Malcolm isn't there anymore. Right. So they don't have that long down distance guy. And they were okay letting Malcolm Brown go because they had Cam Akers. Now that hole is they don't have anybody to fill that role yeah. right now, which is why I think that somebody like Duke Johnson could potentially sure. be there. And that's why I also think Le'Veon Bell, who's also a really good pass catcher, can, you know, have that veteran presence and and, and do something uh to to help Dale Henderson out, you know, with, with you know, uh his which is not his core competency. Honestly. Sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, so since we're talking about the Rams, let's, let's talk about the rest of this team. Obviously Matt Stafford, I think, you know, he brings an element, uh, a huge upgrade, honestly, between him and Jared Goff. A lot of people look at their stats and look at how similar they are, but Jared Goff played under Sean McVay. Sean McVay was, is the mastermind of this offense. Right. And, and when you pair, you know, a quarterback with Sean McVay, and they don't light it up, that means that that quarterback is likely just an average quarterback, right? And Jared Goff, you know, his 2000, what was it, 18 season, I think it was, or 19 season, I think it was 19, where he just like, you know, he had like a 35 touchdown season or whatever it was. And I don't credit Jared Goff on that one. I'm sorry, I don't. You know, it's unfortunately like this is all scheming, scheming stuff up, you know, like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and, you know, these guys are schemed up, man. Like Cooper Cup can't play on the outside, but like he has one of the best roles in the NFL where he constantly gets open playing against linebackers and safeties all day long. Robert Woods, same thing. They bunch these guys up and like, you know, it's very hard to defend these plays. Now, Matt Stafford coming in, who's had not like, you know, decent success in complete complete shit situations in Detroit throughout his career yeah he had Megatron for a while but that's it you know like it, it doesn't mean that like he was supposed to have a you know 45 touchdown seasons right he, he came close to 40 right like but now that he's with a coach who is you know who knows what he's doing um this is a completely different situation and I feel like uh the sky's the limit for Matt Stafford um how, how do you feel about about uh, the Rams, you know, potentially passing the ball more now that Cam Akers, you know, won't be playing for them in 2021. I don't think they really have much of a choice. I think that's kind of the direction they have to lean with this team. Um, I had always thought this was going to be a run-heavy team. But again, as you mentioned, Cam Akers gone, Matt Stafford is going to have to do a little more of the work. You're going to have to get a little more of the return on him. Uh, he could easily be a top 10 quarterback, but they got a decent O-line that got great weapons. They got Robert Woods, you know, they got Cooper cup, as you mentioned. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, Matt Stafford is, I don't think Matt Stafford is a guy, especially without the rushing upside, that's going to light it up like Patrick Holmes. And he's not a guy who's going to get like over 500 yards on the ground and six rushing touchdowns. I don't think he's that type of guy, but he could easily be top 10. So I, I don't want to say he has, top five or top six upside, but I will say that, you know, in the top 10 is hundred percent possible and probably likely. I can totally see a situation where he's getting like, he's averaging like two to three touchdowns a game. Right. Okay. I, I can easily see it. Like, so what's two point, let's say, let's say he averages like 
2.25 touchdowns a game, right? And that's I'm going to just do time 16 uh, because I want to get a 16-game pace. That's 36 touchdowns. That sounds about right you know, for Matt Stafford this year. And I think that would end up making him a top 10 quarterback for fantasy. Um, He might rush in one, right? (laughs) Right. So like, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how I view uh, his situation. And I think that's kind of the floor, to be honest with you, because he has the weapons, he has the scheme, he has the talent. um, And now they might have to lean on him a little bit more. Um, He's somebody who I am likely aiming for now more than I was before. Um, and I don't think his price is going to be increasing because of this news. So, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm just fine. Um, just to kind of get an idea of where his ADP is right now. I think it's still in the 10th round or so. Um, let's see. Uh, no. Wow. Okay. Eighth round still. Um, so people are really bullish on Matt Stafford this year. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I, I, I would go that far to draft them before the 10th. I like to draft my quarterbacks in the double-digit rounds. Um, so I might not end up going there, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think I like Matt Stafford. I think he's going to be great. But as I said, I don't think he's going to be elite, right? I, I just don't think he's that type of quarterback. And he doesn't have a Travis Kelsey. He doesn't have a Tyreek Hill. Um, he's got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, which is great. It's fantastic. But he doesn't have anyone who's going to take this offense over the edge. So, yeah, I, I think when you're looking at some of these late round quarterbacks, I want that league winning guy. I want that, okay, who is the Josh Allen this year? You know, Lamar Jackson two years ago. Who is that guy? And I think I'd rather go in other directions. Like Joe Burrow, if he plays really, really well, he has a chance to be that elite quarterback. We don't know. We don't. We haven't seen his exact ceiling yet. Um Another guy like Jalen Hurts, if he's going to get the work on the ground, assuming he is the starting quarterback in Philadelphia, giving the whole Deshaun Watson situation with that rushing floor and his ability as a passer, he could easily be a top five quarterback. So I'd rather go in other directions if I'm looking for that league winning upside. But if I need a safe option, like if you're in a super flex two QB, Matt Stafford's a perfect quarterback too. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is being taken after him, uh, but Matt Stafford's being drafted as the quarterback 10. So right, right, kind of where we're saying, right. Yeah. So that's that's I'd rather draft him as the you know the quarterback fourteen, and then like hope that he gets to be gets to be a top ten quarterback. Exactly, if that makes sense. Um, all right, all right. So what do we think about these receivers here? So yeah. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Uh, you know they, these guys keep flip flopping every year in terms of like who's being taken before the other. Uh, last year, Robert Woods is being taken after Cooper Cup, um, and that's the train that I was on. Right. And this year, Cooper Cup is being taken after Robert Woods. And for me, I'm still I'm taking Cooper Cup now because he's the cheaper guy, but also because I like his role in the offense. I -hmm. like that Matthew Stafford has experience targeting the slot heavily. Um, I also like the fact that Cooper Cup is going to have the best matchup every single week. Uh, He's two years removed from the ACL injury. Um, and, And I just feel like he's at a point where with the volume that he had last year, he his touchdowns were nowhere where it was supposed to be. I think sure. he had like three or four touchdowns last year on on, on a decent decent volume on decent volume. Um, I think Matthew Stafford is going to be looking for him in the end zone uh, because of the because of the role that he plays in the matchup matchups uh, mismatches that he creates. So I, I love both these guys. After the Cam Akers move, uh, Cam Akers news, I immediately shot these guys up my rankings, both inside my top 20. Um, Robert Woods is becoming one of my favorite picks. He was fourth 
He had the fourth, fourth most yards after catch. And what's really, really interesting here, and what a lot of people are undervaluing, is his role as a rusher. So Robert Woods, I believe, had 24 carries last year. Um, all, all together, it summed up, he had about 25 and a half points just from rushing alone, which is pretty nuts for all wide receivers, not including Cordero Patterson, even though he still didn't equate that amount of work for Robert Woods. So with the absence of acres, we might see Woods be used a little more in that role as well. Uh, 10% of Robert Woods points last year came from rushing. So without that rushing work, Woods drops from the wide receiver 19 points per game to the wide receiver 32 in points per game. You know, 10% doesn't sound like a lot, but when you put it in that perspective, that's a huge drop in terms of where you're valuing this guy. So with that potential increased usage with 175 vacated targets, you know, Gerald Everett gone, Josh Reynolds gone, Cam Akers now gone as well. So it's probably, I did that number without Cam Akers. So it's probably a little higher. He didn't get too many targets, but point being, well, I, 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 I think I there's think, plenty for these. I guys. thought Cam Akers was was going to get like <laughs> 60, 65 targets this year. Yeah, at, I, at the, I thought at he the was too. Least. Yeah, I thought he was too. But I'm just saying, like they get it from last sure. year. He didn't really get too much. Uh, sure. Point being, there's a ton of opportunity for Cooper Cup and Robert Woods to both be wide receiver twos easily. Um, I'm fine with Cooper Cup over him. I think Cup's a better red zone target. Like you said, he's going to get a ton of. Uh, he's going to get the best coverage every single time. He's two years removed from that ACL tear. So I love both these guys. Um, I, I don't necessarily see it as I'm going to avoid Robert Woods because I can no. get cup later because I really yeah. do like Robert Woods as well. In the fourth round, that's a great price to pay for him. Um, it really depends on who's the board was on the board for me. Like he's being drafted like a little bit too close to CD lamb, right? For my taste, like, like sure. CD lamb's being drafted as a wide receiver 15 woods as the 17. Um, right, and then you have uh Tyler Lockett being taken three spots after uh Robert. Oh, we'll Woods. talk about Lockett later. We will talk about Lockett later, and um, it's going to be interesting to see because, like, spoiler alert, I'm taking Lockett over Woods as well. Um, but I like you guys, Lockett a lot more, yeah, yeah, you know, you guys, you guys, you guys have like guys like Deontay Johnson, like who I like more, so like, you know, he's in this little he's in a spot that's interesting to me, like Cooper Cup. You know, he's been taken, you know, several, like around the Deontay Johnson range, right? Um, And that's the range where, like, I'd rather take Deontay, but like Cooper Cup is right there for me. Um, So I'm I'm more, I'm just more comfortable with that price. Like if both of these guys were back to back, like in the fifth round, then I have a real decision to make there. You know what I mean? Um, But just because Cup is just like a round, a full round cheaper, that's why I kind of lean towards, uh, potentially aiming for cup, you know, if I'm going to aim for one of these guys. Um, so the fact that Gerald Everett isn't on the Rams anymore, obviously we'll talk about Gerald Everett a little bit later because he's on the Seahawks now. Um, do you have any faith? Oh, you know what? Before I go to Tyler Higby, but I just want to mention Deshaun Jackson, you know, is on the Rams. Oh yeah. That's right. right. They, they still have Van Jefferson. <laughs> they drafted Tutu Atwell. I don't think Tutu Atwell is going to be fantasy relevant. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, do you think that he's in for like, you know, like a couple of games at the beginning of the season and he'll just like pop off for like, you know, a 50 yard touchdown? No, that's not going to be the beginning of the season. It's going to be week seven. It's going to be one <laughs> throw and then he's going to, you know, hurt his hamstring on the way down. But okay. he'll get that touchdown. If you start him in DFS that week, you'll be happy. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. Week seven. Start Deshaun Jackson. Week seven. Oh, I got to write this down uh, he, somewhere. I'm he, curious. He's, he's going to be $3,700 $3, on DraftKings. Uh, just throw him in your flex spot. 
Um, you can tell the future. It's it. true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Tyler Higby. Um, you know, so the Rams, you know, played a lot of 12 personnel, um, you know, last season. You know, they had Tyler Higby. They had Gerald Everett. Um, they did not, you know, have that legit three wide receiver uh, set, you know, that they had the year, right. years before that they played a lot of 11 personnel. That was one of the reasons why I like Robert Woods over Cooper cup last year. And now going into next season, you know, the fact that, you know, they don't have that two tight end system anymore, right? Gerald Everett's gone right now. They have Robert Woods, they have Cooper cup. They have and Van Jefferson is somebody that they want to play a lot as well. So I do think that they're going to go uh, a lot more towards 11 personnel. Um, and these guys have talked about it already, that that's the move that they're likely going to make going into the season. Um, so I personally think that Tyler Higby is going to be on the field a lot. He's not going to be ha- have to share the tight end load as much. Uh, but going back to Cooper Cup, that's one of the reasons why I like him more this year as well, because he doesn't have to play on the outside as much as he was before right? Uh, as much as he was last year. And that's part of why his efficiency went down a little bit, right? Now that he, now that, you know, he's going to have the opportunity to play the slot on almost every play in 11 personnel in three wide receiver sets, that's going to be a huge advantage for him uh, in 2021. So uh, Tyler Higby likely on the field a lot this season. Um, I think he's somebody that should be worth paying attention to. Um, I think that the fact that he's still going relatively late. Like he's not going, you know, super, he's not, I don't think he's going before the 10th round right now. Is he? Who? Tyler Higby? Uh, yeah. No, he's not. Yeah. He's going off as a tight end 13 uh, around the 10th round um, right around there. So, you know, like he's, he's someone that is worth a dart, dart throw in my opinion uh, because of the upgrade at quarterback and because of the fact that this might be, uh, you know, relatively, you know, more more of a passing offense than it was going to be coming into the season before Cam Akers yeah. got hurt. So I'm willing to take a shot, a dart throw. There are guys I like later in the draft when it comes to tight end, uh, but I'm not crossing Higby off uh, of my draft list. I've never been a huge fan of Higby. And, and, and I do want to point out that, you know, this offense last year having the seventh most run game rushing attempts or seventh most rushes per game, um, you know, having 12 personnel, definitely great for that. Having two big bodied tight ends on the field when you're trying to run the ball a ton is never a bad idea because you have extra blockers. So with Gerald Everett but, gone, but, but, but you have but, less nickel, which means more stacked boxes. And Cam Akers had, unfortunately, last year, he had one of the highest stacked <laughs> box rates. Yeah, I saw that when I was looking at it. Um, because of it. Um, and now, you know, might be a little bit better just because these running backs might have a little bit more room, but I'm sorry. Yeah. I digress. Go ahead. No, 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 absolutely. And I mean, I think if you're able to play it, if you do 12 personnel more than, you know, if it's not like every single time you run, you just put two tight ends on the field. If you yes. have actual plays designed with two tight ends, then you can kind of draw off some of that stack box, but yeah, you know, good point. But overall, I'm not huge in Tyler Higby as a player. I don't think he's this stud athlete. I think Gerald Everett was, the better tight end there. Um, there's a couple guys behind Tyler Higby that have been getting some hype. Jacob Harris specifically, he's a rookie that they drafted. Now, obviously, what kind of a role is a rookie going to have? But from the reports I've been seeing and the way the community has been talking up this guy, 
I don't know. The second he sees the field, he might be able to carve out a role. I have to wait till training camp before I obviously make any bold accusations here. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is a shared role come the middle of the season. Bryson Hopkins is a guy they drafted last year who they also like a lot too. So um, I, I just don't think this is a situation we're going to talk about the 49ers later, but I just don't think that Higby is the type of guy that's going to establish himself and command that number one role. I don't think he's talented enough. And we'll talk about the 49ers backfield, which is why I brought that up. So um Listen, man, yeah. when when it might when, just be personal bias, but he's definitely worth a shot if you're taking past the 10th round with this situation, more passing. I understand taking a shot on him. I'd personally look elsewhere. What he what he was able to do with the opportunity, you know, <laughs> at the end of the 2019 season, like we have to keep going back to that, right? Like he yeah. broke records. He broke records and, great and matchups. It, it was it was amazing. Sure, it was great matchups, yes, but Titans have had great matchups in the past, right? And I understand like every time, like just because like he's the guy who did well during those weeks, it doesn't, we can't just chalk it up to great matchups because, you know, that not only was he able to like do that during those six weeks, but he also got the opportunity, you know, and when he got the opportunity, he was able to do his thing. Um, You know, we've seen good tight ends not do well in good matchups. We've seen, you know, bad tight ends do well in good matchups. We've mostly seen bad tight ends, do terribly in good matchups, right? Just because they're bad tight ends and they don't have a big role. Um, So I think that, you know, he has the potential, right? Um, He's an early round pick. They gave him a massive contract. He's somebody that, you know, I think that could potentially do well given opportunity. So we don't know how much opportunity he's going to get. um, But I do think that it's possible that they go back to what they were doing with him uh, at the end of 2019 when Gerald Everett wasn't on the field and when Brandon Cooks wasn't on the field. Um, okay. But it, it, that's just the possibility. That's what you're taking a st- st- stab at. It's very possible that it doesn't happen, but you know, it's something that we have to keep in mind, I think. Yeah, I, I um, usually try to get a top seven or eight tight end, so I just not a situation that I try to put myself in. Hey, man, he was the tight end one at the end of the 2019 season. Right, like for those in six those weeks. Years, in those weeks, yeah. In those six weeks, yeah, because he was averaging, I think, ten, like like eleven targets a game or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. So I think that's about it for the Rams. Um, l- let's move on to the Cardinals. Um, obviously, <laughs> we could talk about DeAndre Hopkins. He's not happy, uh, you know, with the fact that teams are going to be penalized, um, you know, if not unvaccinated, non-vaccinated players. Um, end up getting COVID or causing an outbreak. Um, these teams are going to be penalized. Players are going to be penalized. And if the team can't play, the, te- the there won't be a, any rescheduling, right? First of all. And second of all, these players will not get their game check. So yeah. this is a, a highly, uh, you know, a highly, um, I guess, like... This is a dangerous a, rule. Yeah, it's a dangerous rule and it's it's it these players are not happy about it. You know, I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of div, div, what's the word like divisiveness? Different. Is that is that a word? Divisiveness? This, I don't yeah, know. that's a word. Divisive. Yeah, it's very divisive. Basically the players are shitting in the NFLPA as they should. 
Yeah, you know, and and it sucks because um, Hopkins has basically said like you know he questioned his his he questions like the future of his career, but he did say later like yo you know he's gonna play. I got nine years left to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he so <laughs> he, he's gonna play. You can draft him. He'll, he'll be fine. But still, it's just it's just, just an not happy. And that's thing happening. A lot of players aren't happy. Matthew Judon's not happy. Some other players. We know Cole Beasley yeah. obviously isn't happy. Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley's <laughs> the best. Cole Beasley is providing providing. He's been providing uh, a one content uh yeah. you know for for, <laughs> yes. for this summer there's no doubt about that um that guy's ridiculous uh Kyler murray though uh, this guy like has the upside to obviously be the overall quarterback one his rushing ability you know is right up there with lamar jackson um and the fact that you know he has you know a, a, a legit number one wide receiver in deandre, DeAndre hopkins you know that that elevates him to somebody who can uh, you know, get the pass and touchdowns and, you know, get those touchdowns on the ground and put together, you know, a 50 to 60 rushing yard game as well. And when you put all that together, you basically came up with a high end quarterback one. Yep. So, you know, basically like it's, it's him, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Lamar Jackson, you know, these guys, you know, Josh, Allen. Guys at the, Josh Allen, I'm sorry. Yeah. And they, Dak Prescott. They, yeah, <laughs> Dak Prescott. I mean, well, with, with Dak, like, yeah, no, he definitely has the rushing ability. And obviously Patrick Mahomes, like, he's not that, you know, ridiculous rushing quarterback. But um, these are the guys that, you know, have have a, have a sure. ton of upside, right? Um, so are, are you – are you looking at Kyler Murray as somebody that obviously, you know, I, I know that you like to drive quarterbacks late, but is Kyler Murray somebody that's on your radar um, in two quarterback leagues? Obviously he probably would be because you're looking yeah. to draft quarterbacks early. Um, but in a one quarterback league, it, you know, I think he's being drafted. I think what is in the fourth round or something like that. Yeah. Is he somebody that you're looking at? Something like that. Um, you know, if he falls to the right spot and I, I try to stay with my quarterback late, but all the drafts I've done, which yes, I've done already some drafts um i've taken either jalen hurts early i took dak early in another league um i've been making moves for some of these quarterbacks early and one of the reasons is because all the value that i'm finding later in drafts i mean running backs right now it it used to be you know first three rounds if you don't get three running backs (laughs) you're screwed but there's guys in the fourth fifth round that i'm fine taking like mike davis is my running back three travis Etienne, the end of the fourth uh, javante williams whatever so there's a lot of guys i'm comfortable with and then wide receivers as well i mean there's it just feels like it's deeper than ever this year when it comes to like the sixth seventh eighth round ninth round even having some viable wide receivers who i'd be fine taking as my three so um if i have to sacrifice one round to take kyler murray in a late fifth or sixth round i'm 100 percent fine with that because yeah, i know I i'll be getting that kind of value but if it comes to fourth round third round i'm still avoiding the patrick mahomes the josh allen's the lamar jackson's i think the fifth round is the earliest i would take any quarterback and if they fall to me in the right spot and i feel comfortable with where my depth is at that point in the draft then i do the move yeah, that sounds about right. Unless like someone like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen falls to me like the fourth round, then <laughs> I might I might pull the trigger. But honestly, I, I do think that the fifth round is kind of where it's at. Um, and if you know, it's very possible that you get someone like Dak there. You get someone like you know, even Lamar Jackson. You get someone like yeah. Um, uh, you get someone Jack like Lamar and Kyler. Yeah, possible. Very very possible. So I'm I'm okay with that. Um, depending on obviously what you see on the board, if you're not feeling the wide receivers there. 
you know, and and <laughs> you don't want to take Dow Henderson, um, you, you you go ahead and draft Kyler Murray. Um, these wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, you know, bona fide. You know, he's arguably one of. It could be you could argue that he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. You could um, argue he's could be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Yeah, you can. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't use him. In you know in amazing ways like he just kind of leaves him on that left side and it kind of caps his upside he's not running as many deep routes which kind of sucks so his yards you know uh, is in terms of depth of target it's not as high as a lot of these other high end wide receivers which is why guys like Tyreek Hill guys like Stefan Diggs you know guys like Devonta Adams they're preferred uh over DeAndre Hopkins for me um but other than that we know that he's going to get his targets in his first year with the Cardinals, he absolutely killed it. And he was getting the targets and him and Kyler had a great connection from the beginning, you know, even though that he had a limited route tree um, and he only played on the left side, Kyler Murray did his thing. Um, So, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins. So going into the second year in the system, uh, you know, more rapport. um, I think DeAndre Hopkins, you know, can do what he did last year and even better. Honestly, I think he's a very, very safe wide receiver one. Uh, yeah, and I think when you mentioned about the route tree is really the only thing holding him back because if they use yeah. DeAndre Hopkins as they should use DeAndre Hopkins, he's very much in that conversation with Diggs and Tyreek Hill and and Devontae Adams. Yeah. Um, and I think it's possible that they do. And I think when it, if you're playing the ADP game, right, if you can get DeAndre Hopkins in the mid-second as opposed to taking stuff on Diggs or Tyreek Hill in the first – and that could be a huge difference in what running back they were able to get at that point. So uh, I think that's the route I'd rather go. I'd rather pass on a Tyreek Hill or Diggs at the end of the first. And then maybe if I want to take a wide receiver in the second round, I can get DeAndre Hopkins when it comes back to me. So uh, that's definitely the route I'm looking to take. Yeah. And I look at like Hopkins as like a touchdown guy. Right. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, last you know, in 2017 and 2000, and he had three uh, seasons with 10 plus touchdowns in 2015. And he had shit uh, quarterbacks for most of his career. I know, dude, seriously. In 2017 and 2018, he had 13, 11 touchdowns. And then in 2019, he had uh, seven touchdowns. And last year, he only had six touchdowns. Dude, so tell me crazy. If, 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 if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs this year, is Cliff Kingsbury on the hot seat? I kind of think he already is on the hot seat. And that's my point of like, he's going to use DeAndre Hopkins, right? There's oh, yeah. no way he doesn't go into the season. He's like, all Listen, right, I just throw him on the left side again. He had 160 targets last year, right? Uh, yeah. 1,400 yards, but only six touchdowns. That number right there is going to go up oh, this yeah. year. So, you know, just he's a touchdown guy. Six touchdowns does not correlate with 160 targets, especially with somebody like with DeAndre uh, Hopkins skill set. So, I expect that number to go up this year. I'm expecting a 10 touchdown season from DeAndre. Um, even like his yards might go down, but those touchdowns are definitely going up. And uh, did year two in COVID stunt Kyler's growth as a passer as well? There you go. Who knows? There you go. There you go. Welcome to Narrative Street. Um, <laughs> so uh, AJ Green behind DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk. Um, I, I think this is DeAndre Hopkins' team right here. Oh, yeah. um, he, he's obviously the leader of that pack. Uh, as they say, alphas eat first. So AJ Green, Christian Kirk come second. Um, I'm, you know, I don't think that AJ Green still has it in him. You know, he's old now and he's 
not effective. I think he still thinks he's good uh, based on the tantrums that he's thrown that he threw last year. Um, you know, he was complaining about the fact that, you know, they're not targeting him last year and uh, you can see it on the field. Right. And we, we've heard, um, you know, what was going on, you know, on the sidelines. Uh, but, you know, guys like, uh, you know, the other wide receivers in 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 uh, Cincinnati were able to perform, but A.J. Green couldn't, right? So I, I, I still think that Christian Kirk is the number two on this offense. Um, but the way that Cliff Kingsbury has been, like, talking about them, he's been ref- kind of referring to A.J. Green as the two. And they signed him to an $8 million contract. Um, yeah which is amazing. I'm really surprised because I'm really curious to see like what other teams were offering AJ green, honestly. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a Christian Kirk fan. I like Christian Kirk. And I think that um, he might be very underrated. Um, like right now, like Christian Kirk, let me see where Christian Kirk is going in drafts. Um, he is going as the 190th player uh, off the board. So uh, he used to be taken as the wide receiver seven. No Larry seven. as of right now. No Larry, no Larry as, of right, as now. of right now. And I don't think Larry's coming back personally. Um, but Christian Kirk, wide receiver 77. Give me Christian Kirk. Okay. Like he's definitely somebody I'll be looking at to pick up off of waivers, you know, after week one. Because you know, in a regular league, he's not being drafted. True. Um, I don't think he's the guy that I'll be making my like, you know, 16th or 17th round pick on. Uh, but he's definitely a guy that I'll be starring, right? In my in my uh, free, you, know, you know, when you're looking at waiver wire, the guys that you have in your favorites list, he'll be on the watch you know, list. On the watch list, there you go. Like he's definitely going to be on the watch list for me because I think he could pop off. We saw those games last year, right? Before Christian Kirk got hurt, he had a run where he was catching those deep balls and he was doing yeah. his thing on efficiency, not on not on target volume, but on efficiency. And I'm okay with that with a guy who's been you know, drafted as the wide receiver 77. I personally um, yeah, think the only benefit for a guy like AJ Green is the fact that he's going to be number two coverage for the first time in his career, more than likely, right? So if he's healthy and he's seeing number two coverage, I think that's the only way he makes some sort of resurgence. Um, I mean, imagine five years ago talking about DeAndre Hopkins on one side, AJ Green on one side. That's just sounds nuts to say out yeah. loud. Unfortunately, um, now it doesn't sound. Fortunately, now it doesn't sound as nuts because we'd all be freaking out. <laughs> but you know, overall, I think taking that 16th round pick, I think he might be worth a stab. Why Ooh, not? AJ the Green? fact that you AJ Green, the fact that really? you can get him with your 16th round, and because of what he did throughout his career, I mean, I I know the chances of a resurgence is very very small, but there is still a chance there, right? And if you want guys in the 16th round with upside. That's a guy who could have killer upside. And imagine if DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt, right? Like who takes over as the alpha? Is Christian Kirk really an alpha as this team? He hasn't proved to be an alpha. AJ well, Green, Green has is that. an alpha. Well, at this point, he may not be, but at this point, he might best be suited to be that guy, right? I, I, it sounds crazy, and I'm not targeting yeah. AJ Green by any means. But at the same time, like, why not take a shot on the upside? Um, the one guy in this wide receiver group that I – find myself being drawn to is Rondell Moore. I don't know how much of a role he's going to have as a rookie, but again, it's just the unknown of like, look, they picked him in the second round. A lot of people thought he might've been a late first rounder based on his ability as a slot receiver. Um, I don't know, man. I just not too, it's kind of messy. It's kind of a messy situation. I, I'm fine with taking a shot. I'd rather, rather take a shot on Rondell Moore 
than AJ Green. I'd rather take a shot on I understand Christian that. Kirk and that's that's where I've been leaning. I haven't been taking AJ Green in any of my drafts, other than the Scott Fishbowl, which I got him like ridiculously late. But um I don't know, no, man. This I, wide receiver I hear group. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, that's it. Okay. I mean, we probably didn't need to spend all that. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins and Max Williams. Those are the two guys that you gotta oh, go for. Max Williams is their start is, is their starting tight end. And uh, we're going to move on to the 49ers. We didn't um, talk about this backfield, though. Oh, we didn't. That's very, it's very important. It is very important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, James Conner, Chase Edmonds. Um, they have Jonathan Ward behind them, Eno Benjamin behind them. Um, listen, man, like, I, I don't understand what people think is going to happen in this backfield in terms of, like, a lot of people don't believe in Chase Edmonds, and that's fine, right? But what do people think is going to happen if James Conner gets hurt again? Like, what again, is going to happen, right? Yeah. Like, do they are they just going to sign someone off the street and play them over Chase Edmonds? Are they going to just bring up Eno Benjamin, somebody who's the same exact size as Chase Edmonds with less skill, and bring him above him? Like, what are they going to do? Yeah. They're going to play Chase Edmonds. Like, this guy is going to be on the field. He's going to play, like, 65% of snaps, at least, if that happens. So, Chase Evans was, like, fifth in the NFL last year in terms of, uh, you know, fantasy points per opportunity. So, if he's going to get opportunity, he's going to do his thing. He can be a poor man's Austin Eckler, you know, get, like, six to eight targets a game, maybe, you know, get, like, you know, 10 carries a game, something like that. You know, it could happen. You know, and it, 65% of the snaps is like all he needs to be successful. Um, last season, he was fourth or fifth in targets to, to, to the running back position, and he played less than 50% of snaps. Mm-hmm. And so I'm fine, you know, wait, you know, spending like a six round draft pick on someone like Chase Edmonds because, you know, as like an RB3 or someone like that, because like I think it's good depth. I think that he'll have value out the gate. Now, I don't, I didn't even talk about James Conner when James Conner was healthy, I think when James Conner was healthy, I still think Chase Edmonds is like the one a in terms of like the running back that you want for fantasy. I think James Conner is going to be their goal line guy. I think he's going to be their primary uh, early down guy. Um, but you know, while he's healthy now, and, and I love James Conner. Like I think his story is amazing. I res- mad respect for the dude, but like, unfortunately, like every season for the past four seasons, he's finished less and less and less games. And it's a trend now, you know, and, you know, whatever. I don't want to label people injury prone, but like, unfortunately it is what it is with James Conner. And like, I just don't trust that he's going to stay healthy this year. Yeah, dude, I kind of disagree um, with one thing you said. That one thing that you said that I disagree with is that James Conner is going to be the main early down back. And that's incorrect because the main early down back is Kyler Murray, right? So Kyler Murray is going to be – he Kyler Murray takes away from Connor and he does not take away from Edmonds because most of Edmonds' production is going to come out of his role as a pass catcher. And then whatever he adds on the ground, great, awesome, power to him. Um, Edmonds saw the – like I believe it was the sixth least amount of stacked boxes just because whenever he was on the field, the – you know, the approach wasn't, okay, stack the box. The approach was, all right, back up. Let's go check out these receivers. Um, 
So when, when he does rush, he has a chance to be really efficient, and he was. He had the seventh most yards per touch. He had the six most routes, the third most from the slot out of all receivers, six most total targets, only two drops the entire year. Uh, it, it's without a doubt Chase Edmonds is the pass catcher here. And then when it comes to rushing, I think he'll be efficient with whatever carries he gets. Um, James Conner is going to get a lot of rushing, early rushing opportunities taken away by Kyler. He's going to get a lot of goal line opportunities taken away by Kyler. But Edmonds is going to be third in line when it comes to the goal line. He had one goal line carried last year. Kenyon Drake had 19. Um, when you look at Kenyon Drake compared to James Conner, Kenyon Drake's way up there compared to Conner. Conner got signed to a $1.7 million contract. Uh, Kenyon Drake had a $10 million contract last year, eight or $10 million contract. Connor can't stay healthy. He wasn't added to this team to be the main guy. Like a lot of people think he was added to be a compliment and be a power back that Edmonds is not. So uh, will Connor get a touchdown or two? Okay. Who do you think is going to have more uh, rushing attempts per game uh, to start the season? Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds? Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds? Oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. I meant Chase Edmonds or uh, James Conner in week in like week one. That's tough because I feel like during training camp, Conner currently nursing a hamstring. Connor <laughs> okay, okay. Let's say let's say Conner makes it. Conner makes, makes it through he training makes it camp. Week one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's fucked up, man. That's tough. And <laughs> that's tough. And the fact that I can't like give a straight and like I want to say Connor based on how I think their roles might be, but week one yes. it could easily be Edmonds. Like I, I I don't think there's a situation where every single week Connor's guaranteed to get more carries than Edmonds. I think it's going to depend on game script, who's going to be in the field more. And like I said, Kyler Murray, he's going to take away more of the early down than you know he's going to take away from Edmonds when he's in the field. Yeah, so, no, I mean, listen, uh, Kenyon Drake, you know, he had games last year, you know, with six. Look, okay, let, let's look at Kenyon Drake's game log real quick and games that he played more than 50% of snaps. He had a ton he of carries. He, he was averaging 16 attempts a game, right? Yeah. Um, and he had games where he had, you know, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games with 18 or more carries, right? Um, do I think that they brought in James Conner to be Kenyon Drake? No, I don't. Because I don't think that they think that he can handle that role, right? Yeah, they they pay the guy like they pay like they pay the guy like two million a year. For Plus the two million right? for one year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is not that situation. I do think that they trust Chase Edmonds. Um, the Cardinals did not draft a running back this year. Okay, um, they did not address that position. So I do think that they're going into the season, like you said, trusting Chase Edmonds. Um, that he is capable uh, of shouldering some type of load here. Um, and I do think that straight off the bat, uh, Chase Edmonds is going to be playing more snaps than he played last year. Um, and I think that like there's, there's room for Edmonds to potentially be uh, a legit RB2. And he has low-end RB1 upside uh, because of the fact that if Edmonds – uh, if, if Connor for some reason gets hurt, you know, throughout at some point in the season, like Edmonds is going to get a ton of opportunity. We saw it twice with Cliff Kingsbury giving Edmonds like 30 opportunities in, in mm. games where like the early down back um, or the starter, you know, missed, you know, had to miss like uh, a game. Right. So yeah. I'm perfectly fine uh, taking Edmonds where he's going right now. So like just to kind of get a, a, a good gauge of where he's going, let me just look up you know, exactly where fifth round is he going? Which to fifth that, round? I think that's good value in PPR. Yeah. I think 12 team I'm seeing like 
five six turns so like which isn't bad honestly That's awesome. like and, and a lot of people yeah i see right there yeah um yeah i see the fifth round as well so it really depends like you know it depends on your league a lot of people are going to be staying away from chase Edmonds. a lot of people might not trust the situation or understand the situation a lot of people still believe in james connor for whatever reason and i think that uh, Edmonds it has uh, a real opportunity to potentially slip in a lot of drafts. I don't think people are going to be reaching for him, but I do think that there is a potential for him to slip and for you to grab him. Absolutely. I'll be yeah. targeting. Yeah, I think so. And that goes to mention, like I mentioned before, about the running backs that are available in the fifth, fourth round, Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, and then throw in Chase Edmonds to that conversation. I think that's a good, that's a good, um, that's a good call, call out right there. Those three guys, you know, getting those guys after the Kareem fourth Hunt, round. If you need yeah. to. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's move on to the 49ers. Um, you know, Trey Lance drafted early. You know, the 49ers surprised everybody. You know, everyone thought it was either going to be Matt Jones or Justin bucks. Fields. I lost um, $100, dude. <laughs> it ended up being Trey Lance. Uh, Jimmy G is fighting uh, for his right to be an NFL quarterback right now. Um, he's not really fighting to be a 49er. Good for Good for Jimmy. starting quarterback but he's fighting to be an nfl quarterback somewhere and he's going to be sh- trying to show out in training camp and preseason uh so that other teams can see what he can do maybe other teams other another team can make a move for him. texans but, hopefully. <laughs> yeah maybe uh but trey lance he is going to be their guy um who knows who's going to start week one we don't know but trey lance is going to start at some point this year most likely yeah um and that can potentially be you know as soon as week one um Trey Lance is somebody who has rushing upside. Um, a lot Ooh, of his yeah. production in college, rushing production was uh, designs. Uh, but at the same time, like we know he has the ability. We know that he has the ability to, to, to tuck it and run. Um, in the NFL, as a rookie, you know, you might want to, you might end up doing that more often than you want. Um, right. So like, uh, it's very possible that he racks up uh, like a legit, you know, legitimate number of rushing yards in his rookie year. Um, Trey Lance is definitely somebody who I'm looking at at the top of dynasty rookie drafts. Um, and he's somebody that, you know, I'm potentially looking at later, uh, in redraft as well. Uh, just because of the fact that like, Hey, like if I can grab like a super late quarterback, uh, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or someone like that to fill in for the first couple of weeks of the season, or, you know, at least until Trey Lance, uh, you know, becomes their quarterback for the 49ers in that scheme, uh, they have decent weapons. He has the rushing ability. He has the offensive line. I think he's set up for success. Uh, so even as a rookie, I think Trey Lance can have some fantasy success and potentially be a top 12 quarterback, you know, given the right circumstances. My favorite, favorite, favorite draft strategy this year for quarterbacks is you draft two guys past like the what 11th or 12th round. You draft Cam Newton and you draft Trey Lance, right? Right. Because Cam Newton's 100% starting week one. When Cam Newton gets in there, he's, you know, we talked about Cam Newton a while ago. He's got his own line. He's got weapons now. He could easily be a top 10, five, five to 10 quarterback as long as he's starting for however long he's starting. And I don't really think Cam Newton's going to lose his job before week 10. And I'd put a lot of money that Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers by week 10. So in that kind of deal, you have two quarterbacks that draft you past the 10th round. Cam Newton can be a quarterback one to carry you in the first half. And Trey Lance has the ability to be a quarterback one in the second half of the year. And you don't have to spend a top five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 pick for them. So that's one of my favorite draft strategies when it comes to quarterback. I'm a huge Trey Lance fan. 
uh, in that one year as a sophomore, he didn't turn, he didn't throw a single interception in 16 games. He was fantastic as a rusher, as a passer. He's very accurate. He's very, very smart quarterback, which is why they picked him. Um, look, when he starts, he has serious top five to 10 upside. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not too much else to add. Yeah, it's just no, I, Trey Lance is going to be a huge value. Yeah, no, I hear that. Um, and and, and uh, they have some rookies at the running back position too. So, like, there, there's a very – uh, there's a potential scenario here where they have uh, a rookie quarterback and a rookie starting running back this year, right? They drafted Trey Sermon, um, well, I think in the third round, I think it was. Yep. Um, Raheem Mostert, obviously still there. Uh, Wayne Gallman, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Jeff Wilson, who, by the way, if you haven't been paying attention a couple of months ago, he tore his meniscus. Uh, he's out for at least the first six weeks of the season. Um, they already confirmed that he is going to be uh, on the, uh, you know, the published to start the yep. season. Um, so it was a four to six month recovery. Uh, the six month mark being, uh, you know, that's going to be in November. So that's like the late end of it. So it is possible he comes back after six weeks, uh, but it also isn't. So he might come back in November. So uh, that gives plenty of time for one of these running backs to potentially make a name for themselves, right? Um, obviously we know Raheem Mostert is doing his thing. Um, he's been doing his thing. Um you know, I think, you know, there has been a lot of rumblings from players on the team that Raheem Mostert is going to have a huge year in 2021. Um, but then the team goes out and drafts Trey Sermon in the third round, right? They have Wayne Gallman, somebody who has filled in for guys like Saquon Barkley um, in the past and has succeeded, right? Um, Elijah Mitchell, someone I'm a fan of as well. Um, these guys, like, they all have their their own skill sets. and the thing with the 49ers is that all that matters here is are you a scheme fit, right? Can you fit in this scheme and can you do well? Because Wayne Gallman, however he looked on the Giants, that's it almost pretty good. It looked good way. and it's almost irrelevant when you bring him onto the 49ers because that he can be elevated to a different level because of the run scheme and the offensive line, right? He could easily be the 1A there. Trey Sermon can easily be the 1A if he does well in camp. Raheem Mostert, you know, he's the 1A right now, uh, but can he lose his job? Maybe. I think it'll take a lot to lose his job, to be honest with you, uh, because I think Raheem Mostert earned it, uh, earned, earned that job, and I think they like him the most. Um, but it, it's one of those situations where, um, you know, you might want to go ahead and draft the latest guy, which in this case is going to be Wayne Gallman. Um, I think Wayne Gallman is probably the best bet uh, late in drafts, you know, him over Elijah Mitchell right now uh, in terms of grabbing like the latest 49er running back just to see like, hey, who's going to be the guy in week one? There might be a situation where we were, we're surprised like we always are in terms of like uh, who is going to be that guy, that guy, right? Now, we are not making a bet on who the 1A is going to be if there's a 1B and a 1C, right? The bet that we want to make is if they like a guy so much that he could potentially get 15 plus touches every single week. Now, will that happen with all these running backs in this backfield? I don't know. It's possible that it doesn't happen, but I don't buy into the fact that Kyle Shanahan is a committee guy. I think that if he has the right guy, if he has a versatile back, if he has somebody who he thinks can handle 15 to 20 touches a game, I think he will do it. But it's just a matter of, 
him having that guy. And if he doesn't have that guy, he's not going to do it. And he's going to be a rotation. Um, but there is upside for one of these guys to be that guy. And if there is somebody on this team getting 15 to 20 touches, that back is going to be a, a fantasy star. What's your take on this backfield? I have a question before I continue. Sure. Do you like soup? Uh, I like chicken noodle soup. I like broccoli cheddar soup. I like it. I like thick broccoli cheddar soup. Mm-hmm. You can't make you can't make soupy broccoli cheddar soup. You know what I mean? You know, you, do you know what I mean? Like, do you like broccoli cheddar yeah. soup or not really? Yeah. Aren't you lactose intolerant? I am. You are. So you don't like that shit. Okay. But do you like alphabet soup? Uh, I do not. I never liked it. Even, even normally, normally I do, but I fucking hate it in this situation because this is, <laughs> that's the 49ers backfield. We got alphabet soup. We got the running back one, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Look, okay, ready? Raheem Mostert, call him the A, call him the B, call him the C, whatever you want. Trey Sermon, talk about Wayne Gallman, Jeff Wilson, whenever he comes back from the physically unable to perform list. Elijah Mitchell, don't forget about Jermichael Hasty, who they liked last year. Don't forget about Kyle Juszczyk, who has led this team in targets per game over the last couple of years before Jarek McKinnon got there. Don't forget about Trey Lance. Trey Lance, he had 169 rush attempts in 16 games last year. In, in, college, in that one year in college, that's 10 rushes a game. That takes away a ton of opportunity from this backfield. So I just don't understand a situation where any of these running backs really just make a name for themselves. If they're startable, it's going to be a week where they're on your bench because you're not going to trust them because they got, just burned you last week. Or, you know, the opposite way, you're not going to start them because they haven't done anything. Oh, look, Wayne Gallman had a big week. Okay, maybe Wayne Gallman's the guy. Next week, oh, look, Trey Sermon had a week. Maybe he's the guy. The only situation I would ever draft a San Francisco 49ers running back is in best ball because I don't have to make that decision. And I think that's actually a really, really good move in best ball because one of these guys is going to be relevant week to week or at least a week at a time. And then rather than guessing, I mean, you can draft the entire 49ers running back roster in your best ball league and just go with it, right? Imagine how cool (laughs) of an idea that would be. So one point I want to make about Raheem Mostert is that keep in mind uh, who he couldn't fend off in terms of competition, right? Yeah, Uh, He could never get the full workload, right? Like he was, he would get like 15, 17 touches here and Mm -hmm. there, right? And obviously he has some injury issues as well. But, you know, he never got like 75% of snaps, right? And, you know, he still had Tevin Coleman lingering, right? He still had uh jet mckinnon lingering if he couldn't beat those guys out i don't think he has the upside to be that 17 to 20 touch and i don't guy. think any of these guys do i don't okay, think any so, of these guys do so let me finish so like he doesn't have that we i think that data is already out there that he's sure. not going to be that guy can okay. he be valuable as the 1a if he plays the same role as he played last year and the year before yeah i think so but he doesn't have like that ridiculous upside on a week-to-week basis sure but for a season-long basis i don't think he has that upside now trey sermon listen i don't want to pay trey sermon's price in redraft okay trey sermon right now is going uh in the eighth round right now um yeah it, it in my opinion it's too high just because of what you said alphabet soup right um but if there's a guy who absolutely kills it in training camp 
it's very possible that Trey Sermon becomes a 15 to 20 touchback. It's very possible mm-hmm. if Cal Shanahan thinks that he can handle it, right? I don't think that there's a, there's a world where Cal Shanahan thinks like, nope, I'm only going committee, no matter how good a back a back looks to me, right? If Trey Sermon, I know you're not a fan of Trey Sermon, but sure. I'm not I'm not talking about that aspect of it. I'm talking about the possibility that one of these backs can emerge as being so much better than all the other backs, that that is a possibility. And that's the point I want to make mm-hmm. just overall in terms of coaches playing committees, right? And, and then getting new running backs. When they get new running backs, I just want to make it aware. I want to, make, I want to make people aware that there is always that possibility that there is a running back that stands out more than any of the other running backs and they have the ability to carry the load. Um, I, I'm not I, drafting Trey Sermon that way, but I'm just saying that this might not be a situation where we're seeing the 1A, the 1B, the 1C, 1D every single week. I disagree because I feel like there's such a small margin for error. And I agree, Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to be a committee guy. But I think he is the purest form of a hot hand approach. And I think that's what makes this backfield so good. You're going to put in Trey Sermon for five carries. If he doesn't do enough of those five carries, you're going to throw someone else in. And guess what? If that next guy comes in and kills it, he's going to stay in the game. And then in that scenario, he has his best back on the field that day. And then Wayne Gallman is the star of the show that day. He'll get 20 touches, 15 touches, whatever it needs to be. But the margin for error is so small that like if Trey Sermon goes in and as a rookie, maybe he misses a block or maybe he doesn't hit that hole. And I don't think Trey Sermon's a good running back. So he misses one hole, misses one block, next guy in the field, that guy kills it. All right, opportunity gone. On to the next week. And maybe in a year or two where a lot of these guys are free agents, and if Trey Sermon has proved enough that they're ready to give him that type of role, then I'll say, okay, I'll change my mind and I'll do that. But I think that kind of hot hand approach where on a day-by-day, a touch-by-touch basis, they have the best running back on the field at all time is what truly makes this one of the best backfields in, in the NFL. The fact that they have all these guys, whoever's having the best day that day is going to carry this team, right? And that's the approach they've used for a while. And the margin for error is so, so small. And considering all these other guys just look like superstars in this backfield, even if one guy sticks out, two other guys could stick out. And it's really just about the day. And I don't want to make that bet on a week-to-week basis. I'm not touching any of these guys unless it comes to best ball. And that's just how I feel about this backfield. I agree. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan doesn't want – like, he's not just – if Trey Sermon's in there killing it, he's like, oh, fuck, I have to run a committee. Come off the field. Let me throw another guy in. That's not, not the way he's thinking, you know? It's a hot hand. And, and that's not how he did it with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, right? Devontae yeah. Freeman, like, was that guy for him when he was on, on the Falcons. Sure. And Tevin Coleman was the change of pace guy, was the guy in the passing game. Um, and he was able to make that work, but Devonta Freeman was his workhorse, right? So sure. he does have it in him. It's just a matter of, is he going to have that guy that he trusts to play in all those type of situations, right? And if he does, it might not be a hot hand approach, right? I'm just saying that that, 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 that possibility of that not happening is out there. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Uh, because of the fact that they have new running backs this year. Alphabet okay. soup. Let's move on. Um, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, those are the two main guys, Richie James, Mohamed Sanu. Th- those, you know, the, the names behind Ayuk, <laughs> the names behind Ayuk and Debo Samuel uh, don't matter too much. Um, but uh, Brandon Ayuk, like if you follow reception person, Matt Harmon's reception perception, yep. uh, 
he was surprised and, and, and I was surprised also looking at that article. Obviously, you know, when Brandon Ayuk was coming out, like I gave comps of Odell Beckham Jr. in terms of like uh, play style and ability in terms of contested catches and just like his the way that he plays. But the, the, another thing that seems to be uh, in common between the, these two guys is the route running, right? And the fact that Ayuk was able to win uh, so well against good cornerbacks in the NFL in year one as a rookie. Um, Matt Harmon was impressed. Obviously, he has a ton of data in terms of like uh, these, this success rate at which wide receivers win in man, against zone, in press coverage. And IU like killed it last year as a rookie. Um, and the fact that, you know, he's coming into this second season um, with a potentially new quarterback, potentially better quarterback, you know, this kind of makes me look at this situation as like, all right, well, Ayuk is the new number one uh, in San Francisco over Debo Samuel. And the way they used Debo last year was super interesting. It was it was all around the line of scrimmage. His depth of target was super low. Uh, not something that that's interesting, but Debo, you know, he's a really good player, right? And he's going to be fantasy relevant. It's just like the games might not be there every single week for Debo. And, and they use him very in, in a very different type of way. Um you can look at Robert Woods, how they use Robert Woods in terms of rushing and end arounds and yeah. stuff like that. Um, Running back RB, oh, oh, what is it? The, the FG, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I think add it's it, F, add, right? Yeah. Add, add Debo to the alphabet soup. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> got it. Got it. I, I'm, I'm so mad. I just made your, I made your point. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, you know, he's not that guy. But I think that, D, that Ayuk is going to be their ex receiver next year. Uh, Ayuk is going to be their extra receiver next year. He's going to be their number one, yeah. and he's going to be targeted down the field a lot more than uh, Debo is going to be. And I think he's going to end up getting more targets per game as well. Um, so I think Ayuk is flying a little under the radar for going into next year. Um, he is going in the sixth round uh, as the wide receiver 25. And honestly, like, I'm okay with that price. I am. Like, I think um, I'm fine there. Like, if he's available in the sixth round, middle of the sixth round, something like that, I think he's the perfect target. Um, and I'm perfectly willing to, to make the bet on the talent, on the on his ability to separate. Um, and he had a pretty damn good rookie year, too, with opportunity. Yeah, and what is this notion that just because George Kittle is back, that Brandon Ayuk can't do anything? Well, everybody's it, been saying that, like, oh, like all the games that Ayuk uh, was good in, uh, Kittle wasn't on the field. And, uh, you know, what's his name? Wasn't on the field either. Evil, yeah. Debo was on the field. I'm just like, no, like it's just that Ayuk is a baller. Like that's what that's what ended up happening. He's just and a good player. He's just a good player. And like, you know, this always happens, right? Like we have to look at what happened, right? And like once we analyze the film and and Matt Harmon is one of the best in the biz at doing Ooh, that. Oh yeah. You know, he 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 is analyzing the situation uh you know irrespective of Debo and irrespective of, of George Kittle it just that it just so happens that Brandon Ayuk happens to be a baller right so like that's why Brandon Ayuk should command targets going into his second year yeah and I think the biggest thing about that specifically is like okay if Jimmy G and Trey Lance combine to throw let's call it 500 pass attempts which is very very low George Kittle gets 150 targets, which who knows if that's really going to be the case. 
What the fuck are they going to do with the 350 targets? Who are they going to give it to? Do you give Debo and Brendan Ayuk 100 targets each, and then you still have 150 left to disperse between what? The running backs, the crap wide receivers that are left on that roster. So I, I just don't see a word. Like, it's so possible for them to, to support more than one fantasy relevant player and obviously from us talking we like brandon Ayuk over Debo. they're being used in different ways um and specifically talking about matt Harmon, Ayuk was one of the best in man coverage last year i don't know if you mentioned that specifically but the other guys who have been best in manic coverage have been alan robinson terry mclaurin and those guys are absolute ballers they make it Steph- work with Stephon, their situation Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs as well so this is one of the situations where we we pray to our boy Matt Harmon. We we accept his rule and we say, all right, Brennan Ayuk is a very talented wide receiver. I'm 100% taking Matt Harmon's word for it. There's 100% an opportunity for him to be fantasy relevant as well. So I have no problem drafting Ayuk at all as a wide receiver three, potentially wide receiver two. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, exactly. And you'll likely be drafting him as, as a, you know, as an outside the top 24 wide receiver yeah. guy. Um, and, and you're not, I don't think you're drafting him at his ceiling at all um, at that spot. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine drafting him there. Uh, even though this is a run heavy offense, it, it honestly doesn't matter. Um, I'd rather um, take the alpha in this type of offense in a creative offense like this Um you know, then, then just, you know, rest on the fact that this is a run heavy offense. It doesn't matter. They're going to pass the ball. Um, But when it comes to George Kittle though, I, I, I'm not sure if I feel the same way in terms of, you know, what I feel about Brandon Ayuk being the X receiver um, and being like the clear separator there, because number one, I'm not making as high of an investment. And number two, I'm not choosing like my only wide receiver for the year, right? Uh, with George Kittle, you're making a declaration that, okay, George Kittle is going to be my only tight end for the season, yep. right? Um, and, and I just think that it's, it's there's a little bit of risk associated with that only because, you know, obviously, you know, you have a rookie quarterback. Will the rookie quarterback have a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, will he have some hard times? Will he not want to target the tight end as much as someone like Jimmy Garoppolo or these other quarterbacks, obviously like all the quarterbacks have targeted the tight ends and whatever tight ends have come in, you know, they've found the ball. Um, but you know, this is, the situation is changing a little bit, especially when you consider the top tight ends, right. When you consider Darren Waller, you know, his competition hasn't changed up as much His quarterback situation is staying the same. Uh, there aren't as much offensive changes there. Travis Kelsey, obviously, we know the situation there. So, like, you know, I'm just talking about in terms of the top three tight ends, you know, George Kittle might be third there, right? That's kind of how I feel about that. Um, because he has, like, you know, just a slightly more risk associated with him. And then you talk about the little, you know, the injuries that he's had over the years as well. That isn't, you know, playing in his favor either. I think George Kittle is worth taking um, you know, I, I don't think either of us are saying that George Kittle's not worth in taking in that field of Darren Waller or at that range. He's if he's not top two, he's hundred percent three. Yeah, right. Like that's at least how I feel about George Kittle. Um, yeah, I, I feel the same. Yeah. So yard yards after the catch has been something George Kittle has been dominating over the years. Obviously, we didn't get to see too much of it last year, but look, he's just such a super talented player. He's a superstar in this team. 
superstars make superstar plays. So I, I have no problem taking him in the third end of the third if I'm able to get him at that point. Uh, if you're it, able to get him, because he's not he's being drafted at the at the two near the two three turn right now. And in, but in that's what it would take for me to pick a tight end that early. It would yeah. take Darren Waller or George Kittle falling to the end of the third, and that's just where I would feel the most comfortable taking them because then I could, yep. you know, double back and get a player in the beginning of the fourth and still feel comfortable about taking guys in that range. So uh, that, yep. that's what it would take for me to draft a guy like Kittle. Yeah, no, I hear you. Okay, I think that, that's that's enough on Kittle. Um, and just just so you guys know, Ross Dwelly is still his backup. <laughs> we, we we know that like if Kittle gets hurt. Uh, the other tight ends have come in and, and kind of stepped up as streamers. Um, Hi, Jordan so, Reed. Yeah, Jordan Reed is gone. Um, okay, let's move on to the Seahawks. So there was an, uh, an article by The Athletic that just came out a couple days ago um, that kind of just talked about Shane Waldron's offense a little bit, kind of put together all of the quotes from different players about it and all that. And uh, Russell Wilson called this new offense – quote-unquote, super complex. Uh, DK Metcalf called it, quote-unquote, intricate. Tyler Lockett called Shane Waldron, quote-unquote, brilliant. And this is what I'm hearing, right? Like, so words I would not use to describe Brian Schottenheimer's offense. Yeah, literally, right? yes. That's exactly what I was, As you were reading that, I'm like, well, this is the opposite of Schottenheimer. Right. Uh, and, and by the I way, feel like he, those, he, those are like sarcastic answers, too. Brilliant. Hey, look, let Russell throw. Uh, Brilliant. <laughs> and he was the um uh sorry. No, it's okay. Take your time. Um, he was he was the uh and if you don't know, like Brian Schottenheimer was the former offensive coordinator for the Seahawks, just in case you, you, you didn't know what we were talking about. Um but uh Lockett also said he already identified some notable notable differences between this scheme and his last scheme, and one of them was quote unquote more freedom to be the receivers we can be right and dk metcalf talked about this you know on on you know multiple podcasts where he said that teams figured us out right and tal lockett went on to say that you know teams basically like we were going deep on every play they forced us to go short and that was our downfall and they couldn't adjust um and that's what i was saying too so the word in the locker room is that it's going to be a high-paced offense as well and this is news to this is like this is what we want to hear. Like, do not fade this offense in 2021. Like, don't think DK Metcalf is too expensive in drafts. Tyler Lockett is being underdrafted. Uh, uh, even Disley, like he already said that he was going to this was going to be an up-tempo offense. Like these clues are coming out and these players are talking about it. So just so you guys know, up-tempo offense, right? More plays, more fantasy points, right? That's that's just how it works. Okay, so like you have an elite quarterback in Russell Wilson, potentially unlocked. DK Metcalf, you saw what he was doing that first half of the season. He was like the wide receiver one or two, whatever he was. Uh, He was killing it. He could do that again this year and maintain that pace throughout the season. I do think that he has the potential to be the overall wide receiver one this year. I really do. I still think he has that potential. Tyler Lockett, um, he's somebody who's being underdrafted right now based on the fact that he finished higher every single season that he played over the past like five seasons. And he's being drafted under that this season. And I think that this is where his upside is going to shine. Right. Finally. Um, And he's one of those guys that, by the way, that um, Matt Harmon has highlighted over the years as being one of the best route runners and separators in the NFL. Harmon loves Lockett. 
Yeah. So this is kind of, this is potentially coming all together. You know, Gerald Everett is somebody who played uh, under uh, Waldron, you know, in, you know, in LA with the Rams and Sean McVay. Um, So it's just an offense that you want to target. I I really think it is. And, And I don't think that we can put that label on this offense anymore and say like, Hey, like, they're going to do well in the first eight weeks, but when it comes to the last, you know, seven weeks of the season or whatever it is, you know, the second half of the season, they're not going to be do well. And they're, they're going to like sizzle off and all, all this kind of stuff. Like, I just don't believe that's going to be the case this year, or at least they have a much less chance of that happening. Yeah. I mean, everything you said, you know, nail on the head. Uh, one of the things I do want to mention talking about the plays that they might have this year the Seahawks had 974 plays last year that was the 11th least in the entire league so for as high powered as the offense as they can be you know that's not what you want to see you want to see more opportunities you want to see more plays um yeah man I mean Tyler Lockett last year was even a top 10 wide receiver when it all came down to it in terms of fantasy um this is going to be a more balanced offense. We're not going to see such a heavy focus on the run game. And I think what's really going to be cool here is we might get a consistent Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett last year, he busted in seven games. That's busting. I'm calling that under 10 points. Uh, that was 43.8% of his games. Almost half of his games, he was not startable. Uh, he still finished in the top 10. He had three games of 30 plus points. One of those being a 53 point game. So if, if we get a consistent version of that, I mean, how is that not worth a top 15, top 20 wide receiver pick? And he's being drafted outside of that arena right now. So Tyler Lockett for the first time, because usually every year I'm against it. Usually every year I'm a, I don't want to draft Tyler Lockett. I don't want to touch him, but in this offense with this opportunity, Give me Tyler Lockett all day as my wide receiver too. All and, and, they're, and they're not going to be as, as run heavy. Like in the beginning of last season, they're like, all right, we're going to be more pass heavy. And they did that. And, <laughs> and they were, right. and it was fantastic when it happened. But, but what happened, right? Like mm-hmm. they just straight up went run heavy when they couldn't figure it out anymore, um, unfortunately. So that's basically what happened. The defense has caught on. And I think now they're going to be more creative. Like I said, all the players are buying in, it seems like. Um, <laughs> Tyler Lockett said, like, I knew exactly who we were hiring when we hired him. You know, so like he was on board from from the beginning and uh, I'm just I'm happy because I just like seeing good football, too. You know, and I'm excited to see this offense. I'm excited to for Russell Wilson because he can potentially, you know, he has the ability to finish as the quarterback one, you know, and and he has that type of ability. And I think he's super underrated. uh, But unfortunately, he's been a little capped. Um, I really do think so. And I think you know he's being drafted in the sixth round right now. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm targeting him there uh, because Tyler Lockett can potentially potentially slip, um, but he's somebody that you could be looking at going into like you know at the end of this year, seeing like he was a league winner um, for yeah. a lot of people. It's very possible. And just to, so you know, the capabilities of offense when they actually let Russ cook in weeks one through three, which is when they let Russ cook, Russ Wilson himself had 34 points per game. And then just look at how this affected the entire team. Chris Carson, that same span, 18.3 points per game. And then let's look at the wide receivers. Tyler Lockett in that same span, 24.6 points per game. DK Metcalf, 19.2 points per game. I mean, the whole team 
benefits when we let Russ cook. And the fact that even if they're not going to let him go out to be like passing every single play, the fact that this is going to be a more balanced offense only hints more towards like how good this offense really, really, really can be. And that's, what's been holding the Seattle Seahawks back all these years. So the fact that they're finally doing that is huge. Um, And I just showed you the upside of, what this whole team could be. I mean, that puts Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in the top five. That makes Russell Wilson the number one quarterback. That puts Chris Carson in the top five. So it's just, it's insane. The possibilities of this offense. So just now. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that you can get like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown in the third round is like, it's legit right there. I mean, I, I'm, Nuts, not a, I'm not, I'm not opposed to like taking those two back to back. If I got a running back in the first round, I'm really not. And then guess what? Fourth round, Travis Etienne, fifth round, Mike Davis. Yep, you got a fucking stud roster. Grab yep. a tight end of the six, Mark Andrews. You're set, dude. Yep. And then you get okay. Cam Newton, Trey Lance later in the draft. <laughs> that is the winning formula. That's like Joey. As Joe, as Joey's uh, entire draft right there. <laughs> yeah, um, there that, that's his entire watch list. Um, <laughs> what do you think about Chris Carson going into this year? I think uh, Rashad Penny. So Rashad Penny had a cleanup on his knee. Uh, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll th- thinks he'll be ready for camp, but I'll believe that when I see it, honestly, like, you know, right now, like Chris Carson is the guy, right? And Chris Carson right now, he's being drafted in the fourth round. Um, and I think he's somebody that, you know, I'm fine taking him in the fourth. Like if I need like an RB2 or something like that, I'm fine taking him there. I'm taking fine taking Mike Davis, like those guys. I'm, I'm happy taking those guys. And I think Chris Carson, like, you know, he's not going to have like the a rid- ridiculous blow up games, Right. Uh, but Very I think safe he'll be like, he'll be like re- yeah, I think he'll be relatively consistent, you know, get his like, you know, 18 touches a game, you know, 17 touches a game with like a touchdown, right? Like that's like a Chris Carson stat yeah. line right there. Um, and you, and yeah, Hey, listen, like he's been involved in the past game here and there. Um, and in this offense, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets, uh, you know, a career high in targets, if he's able to stay healthy. Yeah, dude, I'm on a very similar page. Um, I, I like Chris Carson. Obviously, they're not going to lean on the run this year as much as they have in other years. I think what a lot of people aren't thinking about here is the fact that it seems like the last two or three years, the Seahawks have been in desperate, desperate zero running back depth mode. I mean, they got they brought back the old squad. They had Marshawn Lynch. They had Robert Turbin coming back. Um, you know, they're on guys like DJ Dallas, Travis Homer every year, Alex Collins, they brought him back. Seems like every year they're going to have to keep bringing these guys out of retirement just to keep their running back room going. Um, so when you go into the season and you have Chris Carson, a guy who is notoriously going to get hurt at some point, and even Rashad Penny, who is notoriously never going to touch the field, it makes me think that the Seattle Seahawks might be one of those teams who could pick up a free agent running back prior to the season right so this is not a situation where if you're going to sign a guy like adrian peterson you don't have to sign him now risk him getting hurt in training camp you can sign him right before week one and then he can come in play and be that you know the player that he needs to be i mean they had carlos hyde last year for a reason that's what they tried to do and if they're in if they're in the business of correcting their mistakes from the past I think it might be smart from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, we'd hate it. But if you're talking from a real NFL team perspective, they'd be dumb not to land a Le'Veon Bell, uh, Adrian Peterson, a lot of the guys we talked about for the Rams as well. Because not only will that help them, but it could take away someone from the Rams too. So that's an interesting yeah. way to think about it. I think it they'd is. be dumb not to make that type of move because 
Again, Chris Carson more than likely going to get hurt, as we know. Pember Shroud Penny, he cannot rely on this guy. Besides that, they really have no one. They got to make a move for someone. Yeah, and, and it's not like Chris Carson got a massive <laughs> contract, right? It was a two-year, $10 million contract. Um, so, you know, they can easily add somebody for like a veteran minimum or something like that. Um, and add them and that veteran team. may not even take away a bunch from Chris Carson either, right? Yeah. Like I, if they sign Adrian Peterson, Chris Carson is still going to be the running back one of those teams out of question. Yeah, It's just going to come to when he gets hurt, they'll actually have someone behind him. And Le'Veon Bell might even be a candidate for this team. I think um, last year when he was released, the Seahawks were one of the teams that were considering signing him. Le'Veon Bell eventually just ended up going to the Chiefs instead. And we know Pete Carroll. Like, he loves grabbing these, like, random dudes, right? Yeah. He loves he, – he, he's all about Antonio Brown. He was all about Josh Gordon. Yep. Right? He's all about – they're all about these guys who didn't pan out or, or you know, aren't panning out at the at the time elsewhere. Exactly. Um, and they're happy taking a chance on those guys. So, like, Le'Veon Bell can easily land on the Seahawks. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, wh- what do you think about Gerald Everett? Um, for me, uh, he's somebody that – I like him better that, than Higby. Yeah, I, I would say so. And I think part of the reason for me is because he's actually going later than Higby in drafts, um, surprisingly. Um, so I, I'm I'm fine going Everett. Like, like he's being taken as like the tight end, like 18. So I'm perfectly fine targeting him. He's the number one tight end on this team right now. I'm not really worried about the other tight ends on the Seahawks. Um, yeah. He's the most, he's the most, most athletic guy. Um, they signed him. They, they were targeting him. Uh, he with played, Waldron, he, as you mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. He played in this offense already um, with Shane Waldron. And, you know, he's somebody that, you know, if you pair him with Russell Wilson, we've seen Russell Wilson uh, give some pretty good Jacob tight end. Hollister. Exactly. Good tight end games, you know, ha, you know, uh, help his tight ends put up really big fantasy days. So, like, it's possible that, you know, he becomes a thing this year. So he's one of my favorite late round tight ends this season. Yeah, and I, and I talked about what Russell Wilson did for guys like Chris Carson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Obviously, I didn't get to name any of the tight ends because guess what? It was Greg Olson. If you want to say Greg Olson had a 12-point game, that's that's a huge improvement. Right? <laughs> I could talk about Greg Olson had a 12-point game at this point in his career, and that's huge. So um, I can only imagine what it can do for a guy like Gerald Everett to actually finally get the chance. Uh it kind of reminds me of last year when we saw Janu kind of get the chances. Like his athletic, like great tight end, finally getting the chance at a starting role. That's kind of how I view Gerald Everett in that aspect. He's familiar with Shane Waldron. Apparently it's an intricate system. Um, we, we talked about uh, how the Seahawks didn't have a ton of plays last year. The Rams, Shane Waldron wasn't the offensive coordinator, obviously, because you have Sean McVay there. But being a part of that system, if he's going to try to replicate it, the Rams had 1,063 plays last year. That was the third most in the entire league. And the Seahawks, as I mentioned, were at 974. So if he's going to try to replicate any of that by any means, it's going to create a bunch of new targets on a balanced offense. Gerald Everett could easily, easily, easily be supported as a tight end one. And that was with no legit running game in L.A. And that was with no legit quarterback in L.A. Yep. So imagine what he's going to do in the Seahawks. Yep. Yeah. Think about yeah. that for a second. And we'll leave you with that one. Um, we'll leave you with that. That's right. <laughs> it's 1 a.m. Right, bitches. <laughs> it's 1 a.m. Because we, yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, but thank you guys for listening. That's all we have for the NFC West. 
Um, that was a pretty good episode. Like we hit yeah. some really very fantasy relevant players right Dude, there. Was this like um, two hours? <laughs> I don't know. It feels like it because it's it's late and I'm I'm trying to go to sleep. So oh, yeah. uh, I, I we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Again, I am Faraz at Upperhand Fantasy on Instagram. Joey's at fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Uh, if you don't already follow us, go check us out there. Send us a message, rate and review this podcast. That would mean the world for us because that'll just help more people find the podcast. If you can share the podcast, you know, with some friends, league mates and stuff like that, that would be amazing. Uh, that would probably be the best thing that you could do for us. Uh, but we, we really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Uh, and we'll be back next week doing another division. Um, and we'll the see North. you guys then. Yeah. And NFC North. Uh, very there you go. interesting division there as well. So hopefully that uh, just like how this division worked out with Cam Newton, uh, Cam Akers getting hurt before, maybe we'll have some concrete Rogers news before training camp. Oh, for next ooh. week. Ooh. Now you're talking. Okay. Now uh, talking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, take it easy. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Later. See you.